Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, Chris Evans here. Welcome to this week's Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, iconic Welsh superstar Sir Tom Jones chats his 40th, that's 40th, studio album Surrounded by Time and his upcoming mega tour. And that album might have reached number one in between our conversation and you listening to this. The awesome acting prowess of Ellen Tomlinson discussing her new Spacey Sky One show, Intergalactic. The musical magnificence of Johnny Burrell and Andy Burroughs get deep and meaningful on the reunion of the original Razor Light lineup. And Charlie P. Brooks flicks through his brand new children's book, The Super Secret Diary of Holly Hopkinson. This is going to be a fiasco, which we all absolutely loved. All of that and so much more to come. Now, Dabba Dave, tell us who's first. When asked the question, what's new, Pussycat? Our next guest will answer a brand new album. His 40th studio album, Surrounded by Time, is out now. So, ladies and gentlemen, please retreat to your bunk as we're about to drop a sex bomb. It's the one and only Sir Tom Jones. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Well, what about those reviews to wake up to today? Unbelievable. Who knew? I mean, who knew? <laughs> how, does, how does it feel? I mean, they're still, they must be still very important to you because the effort oh, you've put into composing yeah. this album and also the tracks you've chosen, all covers but one, but by no means obvious, the, these cho- no. songs you've chosen. <clears throat> right. Well, what I tried to do get um, songs that have reflect, uh, that is sort of, it, it's like my life story uh, in song. Right. Even though I didn't write the songs, you know, I searched them out, I listened and, and got songs to fit different times of my life, different experiences that I've had. And that's what I was trying to do. So it's, it took a while, you know, to get it together. Um, but I'm, I'm glad it, it, it all came together because I got the voice on before the lockdown, yeah. you know, which was very important. And, um, and it's been, I mean, being received like this is unbelievable really? because you do, you know what I mean? You, you've got, you've got, a, you get an idea and you, and you go in the studio with the people that you trust. And, um, in this case, Ethan Johns, of course, and the musicians that I work with and Mark, my son, you know, he's very much involved with it, uh, with the producing of it. So you, you, you know, you get all those things, um, in order and then uh, you go in there and, and do the best you can and try and be as honest as you can. And hopefully the people will like it. Yeah, and you know? some, sometimes the stars align better than other times. Did it feel like that this time around? Um, well, yes, we took more time with it. And um, Mark was very, very much involved with this. I must give him credit there because, you know, he said this one is going to be important, you know, very important. They're all important, all the albums I've ever done. But this one, especially now being 80 years old, you know, I've got a, uh, something to say because I've lasted so long. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and people are always saying, like, you know, how do you do it? Why do you do it? And like that. So we tried to get songs. You know, he suggested some songs. Have a listen and see what you think. 
So I, I, I saved two songs myself. Yeah. Uh, one is called I'm Growing Old, and the other one is uh, Old Mother Earth, which is a Tony Joe White song. And I've had those since the 70s. So I had those to start with. And then, of course, I listened to a lot of other things um, that Ethan had and, and Mark had, my son Mark. You know, and we sort of listened and listened and then tried things out as we went along, which Ethan likes to do, and so do I. You know, sort of trial and error, see what they sound like. And then if the, if they're gelling, then you you pursue it. But if not, uh, you know you move on. So that's that's the way. I th- I've got more time now, you know, and that's why we called the album "Surrounded by Time" because time is very important. And now it it feels like um, in, I'm not in a rush, you know, because when you're young, you want to get things done, you know, you want to move on fast, and you want to get like this. But as you get older, hopefully, as long as the voice is still strong and, and flexible, which it is, um, that's it, you know, and you've got to get, uh, you've got to really think about it. I do anyway. And and it's more important to me now, I think, than ever, because um, it's it's a bit of a wonder to me <laughs> how kind uh, God has been, you know. <laughs> He's still smiling on me, or she is, you know. Whatever the case may be. And I'll tell you, so, even yes. in your conversation now and you're laughing, you know, it's a big old hearty laugh. You know, you you sound, you are defying your years. So I've got to ask you, you know, I know you you, you always get asked, give us the rest of us some blinking tips, Sir Tom. <laughs> well, uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I, well, to be honest, I think I'm taking better care of myself now than when I was young. Right. You know, because I did enjoy a, a glass of beer. You know, I mean, I was brought up in that culture, of course, in South Wales, you know, and um, and then moved on to, you know, to wine, to some fine wines and things like that. But that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's about as far as, as I've gone uh, and a Cuban cigar, you know, and, and that's it. But I've been lucky in that respect and fallen into uh, things that uh, that are really bad. I'm not saying that booze is any, I'm not saying that, oh, it's okay to drink. It's still a drug. But you've got to be careful with it. And uh, when you get older, the hangovers are much bigger than they used to be when you're young. So yeah. you've got to take all those things into consideration. And don't try and be younger than you are. You know, we, we can only do, well, I can only do so much. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, you know, that with I'm growing old, the song there, you know, I'm, it's slower in my walk and, you know, fonder of the fire and more aware of the cold, things like that. You know, so it's um, the things that are important, I think to reflect all that when you re- when I record now and I think we've we thank god the pe- you know people like it that's that's the main thing because you can put all that in there and think oh this is all right this is going to be but no you still got to wait until you put it out and see how it's um see how it's received and thank god it's being received uh, I couldn't ask for, for more <laughs> than, than what's happening now. Honestly, it's on my life, really. Good for you. Uh, yeah. Tom, is there anything else you'd like to say before you go? It's been a joy talking to you, as always. Actually, more so than ever before. You sound in such go- on such good form, my friend. Well, I feel great, honestly. And it's, it's nice to talk to you because, we, you know, we're all friends, as you know. And we have had a few drinks in our time, which is which has been very very nice. So I'm glad now that you're old enough to appreciate what I had to go through <laughs> to, to stick with me. Yeah, I mean, I hats off to you. I didn't realise it was so tough. Uh, you made it look so easy, uh, Tom. Um, well, it was easy for me at that time. It was. All right, uh, Tom. It's great to talk to you. I, I'd love to come to one of the gigs. Please stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. Come and sing for us live if you want. If you don't want, it doesn't matter. Thanks so much. 
All right, Chris. Take care. Cheers, pal. Those reviews again. Here we go. I just got to read them out one more time. Evening Standard, a weird, wonderful surprise. Don't let the showbiz polish fool you. This is the singer's most experimental music in years at the age of 80. The Welsh powerhouse's 40th album is a masterpiece of growling, brooding and hard-edged swagger. This old trooper is on top form. The Telegraph, the Mail, the Twinkle hasn't left Tom Jones and neither has the voice, which is still a force of nature that can suddenly turn to finesse. This brand new album is 40th. Um, rave reviews across the board. It's called Surrounded by Time and it's out now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. There's only one thing more enjoyable than action-packed drama, and that's action-packed drama in space. All episodes of the brand new Sky Original Intergalactic are available on demand now, so please welcome someone that plays a gun-toting, convicted drug mule with worrying authenticity. It's the brilliant <laughs> Eleanor Tomlinson! All right, Eleanor! What an introduction, I Thank know, you. I know. Um, what a show this is. You must have had fun making this one. Oh my goodness, yeah, it was a hoot. It was amazing. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, more or less fun than Poldark. Oh, come on different, now. I couldn't different fun, that. I know, I know. It's, but it's funny, though, isn't it? Because you, you're down there in Cornwall and you're now in outer space having a right hoot with, with uh, lots of girly pals. For people who don't know, can you set up the premise of what goes on in Intergalactic, please? OK, so Intergalactic is about a group of convicts who are exiled into space mm. and they hijack their prison ship looking for a promised land called Arcadia where they can live under a no-ruled system. So... Yeah, it's action-packed, that's for sure. Uh, at the heart of it, we have um, a girl who was wrongly convicted of a crime she didn't commit, and then she finds herself lumped in with the rest of us, all these convicts, and she has to try and break free. From what I can see, from what I can glean in episodes one and two, which I watched yesterday, um, I don't mind the look of London in 2143. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I think it looks pretty great, yeah. Technology's moved on, um, but it seems us human beings never do. And that it put me in mind of Shakespeare because I thought, hang on a minute, um, you know, obviously we now have spaceships on the streets, and people go to people aren't sent to prison; they're sent to other planets, which makes complete sense, I suppose. Um, but human beings remain the same at the centre of it all, and it's always been thus, hasn't it, Eleanor? From a storytelling point of view. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're the only one who's compared intergalactic to Shakespearean times, but yes, I love that definitely. Your character. She's particularly dastardly from, from which point of view? Does she, is she a drug addict? What happens in the, in the second episode? Because she has to have that massive antidote, doesn't she? Yeah, so she's, she's a drug mule, I guess. Right. I guess she's fallen in with the wrong, the wrong crowd. And, um, and yeah, she's, she's got quite a sort of broken, broken history. And, uh, and she's just in with the wrong people and confused and, and eventually finds her her path but the road is not smooth and there's lots of shaky cam going on which is very handy because that's a very <laughs> handy way to film space travel isn't it shake the old camera uh, where, absolutely where were the sets how much fun were they how much of a lark and a laugh did you have uh, it was brilliant so we filmed up in Manchester at Space Studios and uh, and so many of the sets were actually interactive so we could use them we had we even had 3D printing right which I just don't understand at all I can't get my head around it but yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, the the set design, everything from the whole look of the show, the costumes, it, it it's just the thought that goes into it is just it's phenomenal. And uh, and we created a world up there, and it it really was so extraordinary. You know, we had these these rigs that would move as if we were flying through space, and then 
other rigs that wouldn't. So we would just have to do shaky camera or shaky actor. So um, it's potty mouthed. It didn't. It doesn't need to be. That's an interesting decision, isn't it? Because I would love my kids to watch it, but it's full on from from the off. And you get the big sky warning straight away. There'll be violence and foul mouthed language in about a second from now. And boy, is there. Yeah, it's very, very high on the action packed, and yes, it is potty mouth for sure. What do you think about that as a decision? Um, look, I think I think it's trying to appeal to um, a set that you know that, that can handle that. I don't I don't think it's made for children. I don't think it's really made for for families. Right. Um, so yeah, and I, th- I think as well with the way that you know, film production and CGI and all of that work that we can do now is going. You know, we're, we're sort of seeing this incredible art in filmmaking and, and, you know, the things that they can do now. I think I think we can appeal to so many different generations now, but obviously there will still be, you know, generations that can't watch shows like ours because, because the language isn't appropriate or, you know, yeah, the violence you, isn't if appropriate. If I was wrongly convicted and blasted into space, yeah. I'd swear a lot. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. And it's the real world, my I friend. I think I'd stop swearing. And the thing is, it's like Who Dares Wins on Channel 4. Because I, I loved Who Dares Wins, the SAS show. And I said to, to pe- various people that came in to promote it, I said, please do the, please do the kids' version, the kids' edit of it. Because I think kids would love this show. Yeah, I think, you know, I think they probably would. Yeah, maybe we should, uh, we should do a kids' version. Should we talk to the people? Let's do it. Let's talk Let's to the people. Do you want to be in it? <laughs> no, you don't have to reshoot it. You just got to bleed the potty. Anyway, um, I understand you are currently doing what you do for a living as we speak, and you've made time, uh, carved out time for us to talk to you. And you're on set with who is it? Stephen Merchant doing something in Wales? In in Bristol. In yeah, Bristol. we're filming a, a series way. called The Offenders. Right. Uh, that Stephen Merchant is, has written. He's directing. He's starring in it. Um, and we also have Christopher Walken. Which is very exciting. Oh, my so, God. What? I Hang know. on a minute. Hang on I a minute. Know. What more can you tell us about it that you're not supposed to? Uh, <laughs> so it's about a group of, um, again, convicts doing um, community service. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a great comedy. It's very, very fun. Do um, swear a lot? Actually, no. No, we're pretty, <laughs> we're pretty good in this one. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, total hoot to film. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, good for you, Eleanor. Well, well done with Intergalactic. It's very, very, very watchable. All episodes available today. You can watch it tonight, 9pm on Sky One. Uh, stay in touch. Give my love to Stephen and to Christopher Walken, for heaven's sake. Oh, thank you. I will. Thank you for having me on. Thanks it's so much. To to Cheers, Eleanor. Awesome. Talking to us live from Bristol there, on set, doing something else. That's exciting, isn't it? That's Christopher Walken! I know! In a Stephen Merchant comedy with Eleanor Thompson, it's all going on. Uh, but of course, we were for Sky, so once again, Intergalactic tonight, 9pm, Sky One. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. When it comes to chart-topping indie earworms, they really do have the golden touch. They're headlining Retro Car Fest on Friday the 13th of August. So ladies and gentlemen, here with why there's a razor light that never goes out is the one and only Johnny Burrell! Yeah, the one and only, but there's another one with him, so it's the two and some. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, how are you doing? Very well. What is the heck is going on? Yeah, well, uh, here we are. We, you know, in the studio, and uh, we're going to do some new Ray's Light stuff. And the big news is that we're back with the classic lineup. So that I would like to introduce to my right the incomparable Andy Burroughs. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. Hello. So this is happening again. This is happening again. This is real. Razor Light two point zero. Razor Light two point zero. Indeed. Yeah. We are we are back together. All right. So you said it's your job this morning to be excitedly nervous. I am excitedly <laughs> nervous. Yeah, I am. I didn't get much sleep. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's amazing. I didn't think this would happen in a million years. I mean, you know that. I've I've been in here with you and told you the same thing. So this feels very um, this feels very special. All right. So how far do we go back before we can go forward? Can we can we do a tiny quick shout out as well to Carl Dalamo and Bjorn Organ who complete the classic lineup, who are an essential part of the sound, who aren't who aren't here today as well, yeah. but they're in it as well. Uh, Just uh, going to abs- give them a little shout. Absolutely, it's all down here. We were going to get to that, but it's fine to do it up front. Yeah. No, no problem whatsoever. So um, let's take a breath and let's go back to how you all first met first time around because that's a nice way to catch this oh well we were in a funny spot because (laughs) we'd just got our first NME cover and we'd made an an album that everyone seemed to really like and Golden Touch had come out and then our drummer wanted to do other things he was like yeah I don't want to do this right and we were like this is very original time to to leave a band (laughs) when you're right on the up God bless him and that was Christian Uh, and uh, and so we, we needed a drummer and Andy walked in and I thought yeah when you say he walked in, I mean, that doesn't happen. So No, he walked in and said, sorry. Then walked in from... <laughs> and, then, and then I thought, yeah. Walked in from where? Uh, I, well, I drove, I drove up from Winchester to London in my little, my little banger uh, and um, d- did an audition and there was a big queue of people around the block. Where did you see the ad for the audition? I, I actually got... I did a session for a producer called Julian Standen who did some Lemonhead stuff and he, he, at the end of the session he said, I can't pay you. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Um, <laughs> at the end of the session, the end of the session that's I can't nice. pay you, but um, but if you want, I'll email all my industry mates. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Well, I would prefer like twenty quid so I could go to the pub tonight or something. Um, I drove back down the M3 from that session, thinking that that hadn't been anything. By the time I got home, I had an email from somebody. And at this point, I was not connected to anything in the industry. I was, you know, I was on the verge of giving up type thing. What were you doing for a um, living? Not a lot, really. Working in a, a bar and doing drum lessons. Right. Um, giving drum lessons. Giving the odd drum lesson. Right. Um, and uh, I just, uh, and I, yeah, like I said, I was sort of, I was 23 and I was like, I don't think this is going anywhere. I think I've been doing this for sort of seven or eight years and I don't think it's going anywhere. And then got an email at, when I got home saying, oh, by the way, there's a band, we've just heard from your mate Julian Standen and there's a band whose drummer's just quit. You might have heard of them. They're called Razorlight. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, I, so, so, so it started to feel quite magical. But then a couple of days later, I realised it would be an audition scenario. Right. So even though I thought maybe I'd got in through the back door there. Um, I drove up to London, got to the got to the depot on Brewery Road, and there were like hundreds of kids around the block. A lot of them, I think, were fans, right? A lot of, you had a lot of fans turn up, pretending to be drummers. Yeah, <laughs> there was a bit of that. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty. That's nerdy. a great way to meet the band. I'm here to be in it. Can't really play the drums, but nice to meet you. Bye. There was yeah. a bit of that, though, wasn't there? A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. There would be, I suppose. But you got in via the front door. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I went and did my. I went and paid my dues and did some auditioning and um, did one day. Then they said you got to come back tomorrow. So I, I, I drove home again that night on Saturday night, feeling like, God, my life might be about to change. Yeah. Uh, I drove back up on Sunday, and, and then I got home the Sunday night, and no one said anything. Monday happened, and no one said anything. And, um, and I was We've like, all decided I, it's yes. I don't think, I don't, I don't think this yeah. is happening. So I decided on the Tuesday morning to give our manager, our manager a call and say, hey, you know, it was really cool to come up and meet you guys. Is there any, can I get some feedback or what was good or bad? And he's like, oh, well, you're in the band. Did no one tell you? And I was like, well, we're going on tour in two days, so... <laughs> two days yeah or like four maybe maybe wow. it was four days so. well, yeah but and we had to do actually we did the shoot an enemy cover shoot just like two days after you joined the band oh yeah and hey everybody take their clothes off it was like oh, yeah, that yeah everyone well. had yeah, to yeah. take their clothes yeah. off you're gonna be rock and roll buff ready yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I mean, it was a, it was a real it was a bullet of a start, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. Um, but then, lack of communication did that become a theme? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I'm just just no, forward here uh, a little bit. No, we, we no we were. I think mean, that was just a bit of a slip up, wasn't I it? Think I think everyone thought someone else had told me. Yeah, probably. Right. Okay, but it does probably. happen in bands. It does happen in relationships, doesn't it? You just have, you just somehow think the other person knows what you're thinking, even yeah. though you've not even opened your gob or even been you know within a mile of them for body language or something for the last few months. So. What happened next? We hit the road. We hit the road for about... What six, year are we talking For about six years, I think. We were just on tour. That, was, that must have been... That was early 2004. Early 2004. Yeah. So that was, um, it was... Like Andy said, it was like three days later, there was Julie Saranti going, you're not going to see yeah, your mates. Yeah, I asked her to see the diary. I remember being on the Eurostar and saying, can I see the diary? Because I just want to know when I'm going to see my mates. And she said, oh, you're not going to see your mates for a yeah, long that's time. That's not going to happen. You're not going home for a long time, mate. Yeah. And we didn't. We didn't go home for a couple of years. And a long time. Yeah, we did just like, you know, and that was that was amazing. Have you made a deal with each other? Look, uh, okay, we'll do this as long as you don't do... If you made a list like, you can't, Johnny, you cannot do this this time round, and you cannot do this this time round. Have you got rules, house I really rules? I don't believe in rules, because I think <laughs> rules, uh, if with kids as well, it's just, I mean... But if somebody doesn't do something because they're scared of breaking a rule... Yeah. Well, then, you know, what does anyone do? You just do it so you don't get caught. And Is that there kind anything you'd right? prefer each other not to do? Like, I mean, maybe there are requests, you know what I mean, but never rules. Can you give us a hint of maybe... We haven't got there yet. I don't think so. I think also it's just about we've got to make sure we stay in this great place that we have been before and that we are at the moment where we're talking all the time. Yeah. And we're communicating because I think that's the most important thing. And I think that when Johnny and I are in, you know, decent communication, we're the best of friends, you know what I mean? And that's where it would be nice for it to stay somewhere close to. Yeah, I, I would say that. Okay. Telepathy is fine on one level, but on another level it's completely yeah. useless. Well, you can't expect, you can't <laughs> expect people to guess what you want them to do yeah exactly do you know what I mean yeah and there's a lot of projection going on as well isn't yeah, there always always brilliant okay so Andy Burroughs and Johnny Burrell back together to cause some fuss um, stuff and nonsense in the world of rock and roll coming to a live festival uh, gig near you June 2nd onlineuniverse.com for tickets uh, to that right now they'll be playing Retro Carfest Lakefest new album on the way when could that be out give us a guess of that best guess wow but September, October, be, November there will be new music this year okay great the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So we've heard from some truly marvellous guests already, but there's still so much more to come on this, the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky on Virgin Radio. The mind-boggling best-selling author Greg McEwen blows our minds with some solid gold life advice from his latest book, Effortless. Comedy genius and children's author Charlie Higson turns the pages on his warm, funny and sunny new book, Worst Holiday Ever. Extremely funny man Matt Ford gets back on stage with news of the political party live show's return 
return and the voice of F1 David Crofty Croft gets us revved up for the third F1 race of the season the Portuguese Grand Prix all of that and more still to come so let's get right back to it Dapper Dave pray tell who's next he's ridden in the Grand National and presented his own telly show but now he's stepped into a truly cutthroat world children's novels his new book The Super Secret Diary of Holly Hopkinson is out today so please welcome a man that knows his way around a paragraph just as well as a paddock it's Charlie P. Brooks all right, Charlie. That's good. <laughs> he's good, isn't he? Very good. He's, he should be a writer. He's far too, he sort of is. You're writing your own book at the moment, aren't you? I am, actually, yeah. Second mention for that one? Yeah. Child number two. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's by it. David Brain. Yes. Have you got a deal yet? Nope, but Rachel's children have read it. Okay, and? <laughs> oh, they loved it. And right. my youngest said, when I finish this book, I'll read that one next. I'm like, he's only written the first right. chapter. Well, back to Charlie, who does have a <laughs> yes. deal and actually has a book out today. Uh, Charlie P. Brooks. Have you inserted the P, Charlie? Because when people Google you, you are an ex-East Enders actress. Well, you are right, actually. I can't be Charlie Brooks because... Everybody knows that Charlie Brooks is an actress on EastEnders. And funny enough, Chris, uh, we both worked at the BBC at the same time. I was working for Five Live doing racing. She was on EastEnders. But we also had the same postcode. And guess what? <laughs> they, they used to send me her paychecks. So you know how much she got paid? Yeah, it was For good. EastEnders Pretty and good. other things? Oh, royalties in Madagascar, everything. Love it. All right, Charlie P. Brooks. Um, now, P is taken from one of your middle names, but you have two. I do. So well, what's the P represent? Patrick. And the next one? E, Evelyn, as in Evelyn War. Love it. Maybe. Okay. So some literary, her- her- um, um, I was going to say heresy, heritage there. Hopefully not heresy. Um, so Holly Hopkins, this is going to be a fiasco. Holly Hopkinson is 10, right? Um, where does she come from in your mind and how did she land on these brilliant pages? Well, really, Holly, Holly became because, uh, Chris, my father died when I was really young. And I just realised I'm still sad about that because we didn't do enough stuff together. Right. We didn't... I don't have enough memories of doing stuff with him. And so when our daughter was growing up, and she's now nine, I thought, I don't want a repeat of this. Who knows, you know, how long I'll be here for. So I want to write something that we can read together and we can share. Yeah. And then, you know, when I'm run over by a bus, she'll always have memories of me and her lying on a bed for hours and hours and hours because there are three of these, I'm, I hasten to add, not just one. Right. Uh, and, you know, it will be something that we'll have and she'll have forever. So, you know, it's sort of, that's really how it all came about. Now, the world of kids' books always has been, but never more than now. If you're just going to, when we can go back, well, you can actually go back into bookstores as of a couple of weeks ago. You know, the kids' sections now, they're a thing of wonder. You know, there used to be a couple of shelves down towards the carpet, didn't they, in the corner of a bookstore. But now you go to Waterstones on Piccadilly, and the kids' section is the best section. It's the yeah. most exciting. It's like a theme park. So to enter that world, a world now of giants like never before, is a pretty audacious step, but you, you've pulled it off. So, A, um, how very dare you be... How did you? Well, I haven't pulled it off. The team at HarperCollins have pulled it off. And Katie Riddle, who is my drawer, she has pulled it off. It's a real team effort. The pages are beautiful. And I was just saying to Rachel, what I like about the pages is they've got lots of illustrations and drawings, a bit Tom Gates-ish. It's not just a page of words. And the kids are going to look at it and go, oh, that looks hard work. So they're 
you know, graphics and drawings. It's wonky. It's wonky when it needs to be. Oh, I don't know. Well, no, because some of the paragraphs are literally offset, so oh, yeah. they slide oh, up and down the page. Oh, and it's a diary, so it's as if Holly's just, yeah, exactly. you know, filling in the diary. She goes along at night with her torch when she's meant to be asleep. You know, uh, it breaks it down, and hopefully, it makes it fun. And 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 the, the, the trick is, and this is whether it works or not, is does it make the adults laugh as much as the children? It made me hoot um, last night. <laughs> My wife came in because I had it on PDF because I was uh, I could I couldn't literally couldn't carry a book yesterday for lots of different reasons because I'd have left it somewhere. So I got it on PDF and I was scrolling through it last night. And Tash said um, she had a look and I was on page fifty nine and she said I'll come back in a bit. And then I was on page one hundred twenty three. Said, "Are you actually going to read the whole book?" I said, "Yes, I am actually going to read the whole book because it, it's hilarious." <laughs> so let's talk about Holly Hopkinson. She is ten. Um, we join her um, with her upwardly or hopefully aspirationally upwardly ob- uh, mo- upwardly mobile mum and uh, not so bothered dad and bigger sister and brother in the city what happens next well dad is basically a total doofus and uh, <laughs> he loses his job because he's flipping useless right and then the whole family have to sell a house in london and go and live in a derelict farmyard full of poo uh in the cotswolds <laughs> with grandpa who never washes um and holly's just horrified this is not what she had planned at all right and lucky old mum mum gets as holly says to compute back to london every day dressed as a packet of vacuum packed bacon um and she's uh, not given up on the dream has she no mummy is a complete workaholic right and she's fighting every fight and trying to help the family get back on track Dad, on the other hand, yeah. gets addicted to daytime TV cookery programs. Yeah, and he, he goes freelance in the pub. In he the does, pub. yeah, he does a lot of freelance work in the pub. <laughs> um, and then Holly starts to figure this out, and, and ha- Dad has to start bribing her to keep quiet about that when Mum's around. Uh, and in the end, Dad has to become a chef because he's had so much screen time watching TV cookery programs yeah. that... There's nothing else for him to do. But again, it's you know, it's um, it's different horizons, brighter horizons. You know, uh, unexpected twists and turns for the unexpected better. So Holly Hopkinson's gang. So there's Alicia, who she loves, but she'll see less of because she was her best mate from the Big Smoke. Yeah, and Alicia's you know a bit of a disloyal best, best, yeah, best, best friend. You know, yeah, and forgets Holly quite quickly. And in volume two, actually, Alicia really comes into her ghastly self. Right, I see. Okay, so all, volume two's already written. Oh, yeah, volume three's written. No way, this uh, yeah. is so cool. Um, but Holly Hopkinson's uh, sort of real-life fairy godmother is her... Is her what did you say? It's her Bohemian. Bohemian is a good word. Yeah, her bohemian auntie, who's exciting, mysterious, uh, naughty, childlike, potentially alcoholic. Just a bit scatterbrained, I think. <laughs> right. A bit dotty. And I promise you, not based on anyone in my family at all. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, you, know. you say that Holly's based on yourself. So how? But I think her dad's probably based no, on no, you I more. Think, I think Holly's based on our daughter. Dad's right. definitely based on me. Career path gone slightly wrong. Right. Uh, maybe I'm a bit of grandpa as well. Hopeless farmer. Mum, we won't say who mum's based on, but Holly is definitely based on our daughter. Uh, But yes, the the, the mad Aunt Electra who produces an amazing magic pocket watch with which Holly can hypnotise adults. But only for the good. Only for good or for fun. And the watch decides. And the watch decides. And sometimes what Holly thinks is for good and fun, the watch doesn't think is for good or for fun. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you have no time and are stressed up to your eyeballs, you need to listen to our next guest. His latest bestseller, Effortless, make it easier to do what matters most. 
Almost is out now and here to explain how to be clever when it comes to endeavour. It's the very essential Greg McEwen. Good morning, Greg. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm very well. How are you? Good. I'm. Thank you for uh, for taking this so early. Well, thank you for uh, staying well, up so late, Greg. Where are you? What time is it? It's just past ten o'clock. I'm just north of Malibu, uh, so sort of on the outskirts of LA. And uh, you could be in worse places right now. Oh my goodness me! Um, now, first of all, thank you for essentialism. You know I love that book. Thank you for this new book, Effortless, in particular because it drove me to your podcast in research for it. And I love the podcast, the Essentialism podcast. I love the fact you took the master of Tiny Habits, BJ Fogg, almost to task and schooled him <laughs> in priorities. How dare it you? Such, <laughs> it was such a pleasure to have BJ on there. I mean, that was such a delightful episode because we really got to what he wanted, which is a three-day weekend. And he ought to be able to achieve it, but really who works all the way through it. But then halfway through the interview, I said, OK, well, we've identified what's essential for you. Now you have all the skills, you're the genius. Now show us how to put that into practice using all your tiny habits, brilliance, which he did. But wasn't it funny? Because, you know, the teacher teaching is one thing, but the teacher then reminding how to learn is another, you know, and um, we could play the same game with you and we can if you like, but that was a very interesting 20 minutes for me. Well, I thought so too. Um, and now that you're saying it, I feel like, well, are you game? Are yeah. you game for, for being put on the spot? Absolutely. I'll do anything you damn well like. I just want people to listen to this and to, to glean from it. We must talk about your book first, though, because that's why you're on, and I'd like you to sell some copies, and I'm sure you will. Um, it's full of gold. When you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. When you focus on what you have, you get what you lack. I love all this stuff. Uh, what are the minimum steps required for completion? Uh, let's kick off with this one, Greg, if you don't mind. What does done look like so when the promo for this book effortless is finished what does done look like for you with this book say in relation to essentialism which you know has sold literally millions of copies all over the world for me this book is um, an emotional book both because of how i came to it myself personally but also because it now comes out at a time when i think it has the power of relevance and in a sense it's a shame because this book is for people who uh, otherwise capable and successful and driven, but they feel on the edge of exhaustion or the or, or the edge of burnout or even way past it. And I just sense that that is true for so many people right now, the world over after a year of getting through this pandemic. They've done it by grinding effort, but what's left at the end of it? And so effortless comes, as I hope, a bit of an antidote uh, to that pain. And so it looks like for me, what done looks like is individuals discovering there really is an easier way to do things that not everything has to be so hard. And in some instances, we make things much harder than they need to be. Yeah. And so that's the awakening, I hope, that can happen for people. Uh, one section of the book is called The Heavy Cost of Light Tinkering. Now, this has been my life for the last 10 years. You know, I, hmm. I have over tinkered because what I did, you know, um, in the 10, 20 years before that, 
previously started off as natural and then there was momentum and then you know all the foundations all the hard work that i'd done you, then you got to tend the crops and then you get to a point where you begin to to suffer your success it's fine to suffer your failures but to suffer your success and you don't know what to do and so instead of taking a step back and you talk about that too you start to over tinker because you think you're so good at at your particular craft that you can tinker where nobody has ever had to before and the reason they've never had to do that before is because it doesn't need doing yeah that's interesting isn't it that that you get to the point of being maybe even in not just diminishing returns but negative returns where every extra tinker that you do every little extra input is actually weakening your craft overall that's what i hear you saying yeah no 100 percent. and also what you do is tinker with other people who are trying to help you because because you're mm. the man because you know better than everybody else so so they bring their box oh, fresh new ideas full of youth and exuberance and and potential and vision and you go yeah but you might want to do it like this and you take the wind out of their sails and that's a lose-lose situation Mm. Yeah, that reminds me of a, of, a, of a book that I was just recently reading that just says, look, it's, we really do have to get past the command and control uh, where, where we're getting into everyone else's business and we need to be moving towards really trusting them. Uh, and, and it sounds like you had a bit of a curse of capability, yeah. having, having been <laughs> successful, having seen a lot of stuff, having, having, having you know, pioneered Uh, different ways to do things, you start to think, well, I need to be the one to put my thumbprint on every single other idea that comes my way. And it sounds like you got to the point where you thought, well, actually, I'm I'm getting in people's business uh, rather than just letting them shine and do great work and bring their new, fresh, innovative stuff forward. Uh, Very briefly in 60 seconds, it's called effortless. It's not an ism. It's an S. Uh, Essentialism is good. Stoicism is good. Thatcherism, good or bad, up to you. Um, It's only thinking that makes it so, (laughs) Shakespeare says. What are you going to do with this? Because you can't be an essentialist, you can be an essentialist, but you can't be an effortlessist, can you? No, I think it's. I think they're they're complementary. They're like cousins. Right. So so <laughs> essentialism is a way of living, and so on. And effortless is just this necessary piece that I think people missed in essentialism, uh, where they just think yes, the most essential things have to be the hardest thing in our lives. They just they go together, and they don't. They don't have to. You can design a life where the essential things are the easiest things in your life, and that can change everything. Actually. That does change everything. I'm so glad you said that because I thought it's a companion book, but I didn't want to say it um, uh, because it was too pejorative because it's not my book. But I'm glad you said it because I think it is a cousin and I think it, it accessorizes essentialism perfectly. So that I'm so glad you said that. Chris, it really is a delight to be with you. And I really do hope we can continue the conversation. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Mate, when we get on a plane, I'm coming to stay at your house for a few days. Give my love uh, to Anna and to Grace and to Eve and to Jack and to little Esther and have a fantastic rest of your day. I know there's only an hour and a half left of it. (laughs) Cheers, Greg. Cheers. Bye now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. From Swiss Tony via some zombies and Young Bond, our next guest has been on quite an entertainment journey. His latest book, Worst Holiday Ever, is out on Thursday and here to flick through its pages is the best author ever with the best book ever. It's the one and only Charlie Hickson. All right, Charlie. I'm all right, yes. I'm, I'm terrifically excited to have got out of the house and actually come to a real live studio <laughs> even though you're all sitting about 200 yards away from me no we're not nobody knows that actually we are the thing is now that we're doing this now we are socially distanced we're about four meters away from each other aren't we i'm four meters rachel four meters vast you're about six meters charlie now in between 
good piggy in the middle situation, actually. Um, do you think we'll ever go back to you coming over? I quite like you I being really over there. I really like it here. Yeah, there's, there's that, that. Something happens in this geographical distance to our conversations. How do you think so? I think, I think you're right. They have more time. Um, sorry, you'll, you'll all slowly creep back closer I'm and not closer, sure we and then will. you'll end up in a tiny, tight huddle. Do you think so? <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked being over there. But I actually, can't even remember you were over there. Is that where you used to be over to there? Sit? Yeah, with my back to the window. Anyway, so. Charlie, Charlie's here now. <laughs> Hi, Charlie. We have a, there is a genius Hello. in the studio. So, Charlie, this book, I've been saying since half past six this morning, uh, worst holiday ever. If you're going to buy your kids a book this year that you can also read. Now, this is my top tip. Definitely for this year. It might be my favourite five kids' books ever. Little Stanley, where did he come from in your marvellous brain? Well, I'd... The first kids' books that I wrote were the young James Bond books. And Bond is this sort of... He's a fantasy figure. He's incredibly confident, brave, tough. And I'm not. Uh, Most writers, you know, we sit in our rooms and we make things up. And, you know, I was a very shy, skinny little boy, um, very self-conscious. And I thought, you know, I, I would like to write a character like that, the opposite of James Bond and and that's what Stan is so I just channeled all that and also you know I it's about a kid going on holiday with another kid's family so without his parents so it was like a sort of worst nightmare for for a shy boy and I just channeled all the funny things that I remember from when I was a kid going on holiday from taking my own boys on holiday the things that happened to them um and, and I have a place in Italy and used to every year we'd take the boys out there and they would often bring a friend out with them um, completely separated from their normal life and here they are thrown into this world of adults where you're having big communal meals around the table and I would often sit and look at them and, and I'd think <laughs> I wonder what they're, they're making of this what are they thinking about so you know that's what you do as, you write, as a writer you put yourself into the mind of someone else it's funny because um, now you've said that now, now you've it's because it sounds so personal and it's it's so it's so first person yet third person i thought where is this This is so he's this is so informed this book um one of the reviews says this is described as a story about facing fears dealing with worries and how it's okay to be anxious scared and sometimes a little brave so i was going to ask you you know do you do you think about those ingredients and then come up with a vessel for for which those can flow through or do you come up with with stan who's such a brilliant little character that those will be part of his makeup anyway it all sort of comes together from all over the place and you put it all into a sort of soup pot and see what rises to the surface i suppose but i mean my starting point was as i say those kids what you know what are they thinking about us yeah yeah and and you know you'd find out that that one of them turned but he came through the gate and he'd been gone and we all realized he'd been gone for hours we hadn't we hadn't even realised he'd gone. He tried to take our dog out for a walk and it had run off. Right. And this poor kid had spent hours tramping round the countryside trying to find the dog. Of course, the dog could just run back yeah, to the house. And he came back and he was kind of like trying to act as if nothing has happened. And we all thought, hang about, we haven't seen him for, for hours. So all these little things happen. And I started just thinking, I'm just going to write a funny story. I'll write down all the things that happened. And then Stan seemed to be the the ideal character because he's he's me in many ways. He's so cool. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you say he's you. And what a wonderful you that is. His, it begs this book begs the question for me um, above all others: Are kids better at being kids than grown ups at being at grown ups? I think on the whole, yes. 
why, why is that? Because I think you're right, but we're grown-ups for longer than we're kids, yet we're worse at it. Yeah, but when you're a kid, it does seem like it goes on for years and years. It seems like a much longer time. Those, those years between 5 and 15 in one's mind seem incredibly longer than from... 30 to 60. But there's a reason for that, isn't there? Yeah, because you're seeing things for the first time, everything is a new experience, and so much changes in a year when you're a kid. But also, fractionally, it's uh, it's much more of your life. A year is much more of your life when you're 10 than it is when you're 50. And so that uh, also explains why time seems to fly as you get older, because a year is less from a percentage point of view Mm. of of your life thus far. But but we all remember when we were kids that all you wanted to do was was to grow up. Yeah. To be a bigger kid, and then you, you look at people in their twenties. So think, right. wow, that looks so exciting! And of course, as soon as you get there, you you think, oh. God, I wish I was back <laughs> as a kid again. And even my kids would say it, you know, to the as as they were in secondary school and the youngest was still in primary, saying, "Look, you really want to come to to secondary school? Don't stay in primary school. It's much better." And then when they leave school. It's always like, no, school's great. Oh, no. The real world is terrible. Uh, Charlie, thanks for coming in. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been so great. To... We're getting some lovely text about the book. I uh, just ordered Worst Holiday Ever for my daughter, which I'm obviously going to read first, Rachel McMillan. <laughs> uh, Jill, I already love this book just from the sound of it. Well, it is The Worst Holiday Ever by Charlie Higson. And Charlie's been with us. Thank you, Charlie, once again. Have a great day. Good luck with the book. And you cheers. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If the Westminster's tongues are a wagon, our next guest will be sure to get a gag in the political party podcast is hitting the stage at the garrick theater next month so ladies and gentlemen please welcome a comedian as stylish and decorated as boris johnson's flat it's matt ford oh very cool here he is oh it's a pleasure to be here again oh it's always good to have you on the show people are texting when you're on the show the show's better why don't you do the show you're cheaper Um, Everyone's cheaper than you. You're more available, um, but you are wonderful. You're a wonderful human being. So much to talk about. What's going on with the new show coming back in the West End? Oh, well, I've got some great guests. Peter Mandelson and Saida Varsi, Keir Starmer and Andrea Leadsom, Jess Phillips and Esther McVeigh. Is this all true? Yeah. Wow. Well, it'd, it'd be a pretty old fib. But that's as good as it gets for what you do, isn't it? Oh, I think so, yeah. It'd be a right old laugh. Now, it's cool to do it in the West End. OK, I'm no political... Um, uh, polymath, but even I can sort of glean from what you've just said there. It's leaning more towards the left from a from a, a cast. List oh, is it? There. I thought it was balanced. No, well, I I don't know. I'm just guessing. You know, Keir Starmer, Peter Mandelson. Uh, oh yes, but then side of our scene, Andrea Ledsom and Esther McVeigh. So it's a it's a lovely mix. It's oh, a no, actually, mix. now you say that, you're right. Of course, you are. Yeah, it's a fair and you're balanced bang on. in every way. So let's talk about what's going on with Boris at the moment. Let's talk about Wallpaper Gate. Right. You really. know, I wish it was Laura Ashley Wallpaper, so we could have Laurie Ash- Laura Ashley Gate on. You know, have you studied the patterns, Rachel? Do you know what wallpaper is 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 being is under the microscope at the I, moment? I haven't looked at the specific wallpaper that has adorned the flat. Matt, have you? You know what? Is there I, comedy in, in the series, design? There might be. If there is, I haven't spotted it. I thought John Lewis was expensive until all this kicked off and people started slagging it off. Right. So what? I mean, costs a fortune, John Lewis. It does cost a fortune. Now it's all over the papers from the front page again. But you know from recent polls that more people like Boris Johnson now than they did in the last election, which he won by a landslide, and lots of. Um, Labour voters saying actually they might vote Tory next time around, whenever next time around comes. If it's sooner rather than later, it's probably going to be later. And the, the to- Tories that I've talked to think Keir Starmer is their secret weapon because Keir Starmer is so much better 
than Jeremy Corbyn for the Labour Party, but still completely useless as far as the Tories are concerned. And they love the fact that Labour, because they suffered so badly under Corbyn, thinks that Keir Starmer is literally the Messiah, but actually he's not. It's just contextual. He's a very naughty boy. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> uh, what do you say to that kind well, of... let uh, me just... <laughs> let, let, me, let me pay tribute to the... To the uh, my noble learned for uh, the, uh, the great political analysis of what is going on. And I... Look, I, 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 I'm a, you, you, you a humble chap. <laughs> I, I, I think what is going on, Chris Evans and your wonderful listeners, in conjunction with Sky, uh, is that... Uh, look, I, I, I think the vaccine is a big deal. And I think that is really... Uh, come on. I, I think that has been a shot in the arm. Literally, for the uh, Tory party. But I don't think people care about the interior. I, I, do people care about... I, I don't know about your bedroom, Chris, or uh, I've been in there recently, or what you, uh, what, what you have on the, <laughs> you have on the wall. Uh, but, but look, I, I, look, I think the vaccine is the, is the big thing. But right? it is, though, isn't it? That's the thing. It is. Um, That's and- what everyone's thinking about, isn't it? Is that yeah. I going to live? Have I got a job? So politics just isn't in people's heads at the moment. I know, I know. But um, I think Starmer is a huge improvement. And Starmer has that way, I don't know if you saw it this week, where he'll just, because he, he's used to the courtroom, yes. he's really good at just going, I, I just want a simple answer for the Prime Minister. Can he just answer? A very, it's almost like sort of Josh Widdicombe kind of, <laughs> can I just give me a straight, I don't get a straight answer, Adam. But he's very good. And he, he always sounds just slightly annoyed with him. I agree with the, I agree with the Prime Minister when he gets it right. I disagree with the Prime Minister when he gets it wrong. Which is obviously like the most obvious thing you could ever say. Yeah. But you go, oh, that actually sounds like quite a sensible position. Key. Yes, that's very, very good. I think he's really impressive. I just think everyone's worried about Literally, whether their loved ones are going to live or die or not. So why do you think everybody's going crazy about this wallpaper gate thing? Because it's, 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 it is, you know, there's something going on there and it has to be addressed. It has to be investigated. But compared to the vaccine, it's just not, it's not, not only is it not a fair fight, it's not a fight. Well, you know what? I think it goes into that column of stuff that just sort of builds up in the background. Right. So right now, no one's going, oh, I want him to resign over wallpaper. Yeah. But it just means that the next scandal is a bit bigger because they go, oh, this is like the wallpaper thing. And it I just sort of, see. It just accumulates in the corner like no, an that's, overdraft. That's proper analysis. That's, is it? Yeah. Of oh, course I just it. made it up. Because oh, you right. used to work for the Labour Party. So if people don't know, uh, just remind them what you did in proper politics, proper grown-up politics. Yes, well, I worked for the Labour Party for a couple of years. I used to help them run election campaigns. I think I lost every single one. Congratulations. I was terrible, man. I was so bad yeah, at it. Yeah, but you were just laying the ground again contextually <laughs> for the people that came after you to make them look good because you're such a nice guy. Do you think? Oh, yeah. that's very kind. That's, oh, you're always so nice that's to exactly me, man. exactly what's happening there. You make me so happy. I always, I think, I, if I could come in here every day, I, I would never have a worry in my life. I just yeah. leave feeling so, you know, good about the world. All right, we've got to wrap up, Matt. What would you like to say to the world before you go? Oh, well, I'd like to say it's always a pleasure coming here. And being with you, Chris, and everyone here. And thank you all for listening. And <laughs> do go to the website, mattford.com slash live, to get tickets no, for those do, West End dates. Do, absolutely. Do buy do the that. paperback. Yeah. Um, uh, what else is on there? You, is there something else people can access Oh, there? Yeah, I've got a new podcast out called British Scandal. There you I'm go. With Alice Levine, and which so- is... A, Amazing. From wherever you get your podcast. From wherever you get your podcast, baby. All right. Uh, love to see you again. You too. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
Dapper Dave! He travels the world watching fast cars and gets paid for it, but he's so good it's impossible to hold it against him. The Portuguese Grand Prix is live and exclusive this weekend on Sky Sports F1, so put your shirt back on, Ronaldo. There's a new hunk in town. It's Crofty! All right, Crofty! <laughs> You've made amends for the Italian introduction. Thank you very much, Dapper Dave. Morning, everyone. Morning! Uh, by the way, congratulations to a Sky Sports Sky F1 um, and the Bahrain Grand Prix, which has just been nominated for a BAFTA. Yeah, exciting news. Our coverage from last year. I've never been nominated as part of a team for a batter. This is fantastic news this morning. That is pretty cool. Why do you think they've gone for the Bahrain Grand Prix specifically? Well, that was the Grand Prix where Roman Grosjean uh, had uh, a very nasty accident. and, And thankfully, after 27 seconds in the fiery inferno, escapes with nothing more than burnt hands. And it was great to see him uh, escape from that. It, it really was. I, I'd like to think that they've, they've nominated it for our all-round coverage, to be honest. I was really proud to be part of the team and, and part of that coverage on the day, um, reacting to a horrendous, horrific accident and producing what I thought was some of our best coverage ever. But there's, there's four very strong nominations. Uh, we're up against the, the Six Nations finale, England against France. We're up against the, uh, the BBC coverage of the London Marathon. And we're up against the fantastic coverage of England against West Indies uh, Sky Sports uh, cricket team from last year as well. Uh, June the 6th, we'll find out if we've won or not. All right, well, well done for the nomination because that's just pretty cool. I mean, the last Grand Prix uh, that we enjoyed from Emila in Italy, that wasn't without its um, events, was it? No. uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton battling away once again. It rained just before the start. It was really treacherous conditions for all the drivers. Max had a brilliant start, uh, went on to dominate the race, even after a red flag uh, as well. And now there is just one point between Hamilton in the lead and Verstappen, who has never led a world championship in Formula One ever, but might just be doing so come the chequered flag on Sunday, because Red Bull, for me, still big favourites this weekend. Okay, what about favourites for the year? Well, um, Mercedes will catch up with Red Bull eventually, Um, but it's a year where they've got to sacrifice a bit of development for next year and massive rule changes for next year to focus on getting their car up to where Red Bull are at the moment. So I think they'll get there, uh, but it won't be without a cost. Um, by the end of the season, 23 races, I think it'll still be very, very close. And I don't know which way it's going to go, to be honest, because Red Bull for many, many years and Max Verstappen never have been in uh, championship challenges and championship contention. Mercedes, very good at winning championships and they know how to get the job done. So um, uh, flip a coin at the moment, but I think it's going to be nip and tuck all the way. Yeah, but you're going to have more juice, aren't you? You're going to have more fresh juice if you're trying to regain the title as opposed to, you know, just, just keep the title. Well, that's very true. But then, given how easy it's been for Mercedes Hmm. uh, in recent years to win that title, they're totally re-energised by the fact that they're in a massive scrap for the title this year. And you talk to guys within the team, and there there is an energy uh, around Brackley and and Brixworth where they make the engines. They don't want to give up their crown yet. They, They have led, Chris, both championships since the German Grand Prix in 2018. So they're not ready to give it up just yet. Right, OK. They may have no choice, but it is already the most exciting uh, beginning to a Formula One season that I can remember. Now, yeah. Vassos was very excited today when he arrived about this new qualifying format that is going to kick in <laughs> on the weekend of the British Grand Prix. I checked the date. It wasn't April Fool's. It is an April Fool's. Um, that was the other end of this month. and We're just approaching the end of April on Friday. But apparently it's all true. It is all true, yes. So um, if you haven't got your tickets for Silverstone yet... 
uh, get them now because it's going to be a terrific weekend. Uh, what will happen, we'll have a, a practice session on the Friday morning. Mm. Then on Friday afternoon, we'll have qualifying as we know it at the moment. And then on Saturday, another practice session and then the sprint qualifying. So it'll be 17 laps around the Silverstone circuit to determine the grid order for Sunday's race. Sunday's race remains uh, unchanged uh, with its normal distance. But, but I like the idea. It's worth a try. Let's get more racing, as it were, across the weekend, more headlines, more drama, more action. And I think for those watching at Silverstone and for those watching on the TV, what would you rather have, another hour of practice or an hour of uh, sprint racing? I, I want to see these gladiators go head-to-head uh, at all times. So uh, bring it on. It's a trial. Silverstone, Monza and Brazil, if Brazil happens this year, is where we're going to try it out and then maybe more to come next year as well. I can tell you're excited, Crofty. I am. You're, always, excited. you're always excited, but you're, you're, <laughs> there's a little bit more pep in your um, commentating <laughs> step at the moment. So, uh, why 17? Why 17 laps? Uh, because it's 100 kilometres. It's a 100-kilometre right. race, and that works out to be about 17 laps of Silverstone. So Monza, there'll be a few more laps, and Interlagos, a few more laps as well. But that's, it's, uh, Grand Prix uh, races are always dictated by distance. It's 300 kilometres and a, and a lap for a Grand Prix. It's 100 laps for a sprint race. All right. Uh, just before you go, Crofty, great to talk to you, as always. Are you in Portugal yet, or are you on your way? No, are you pre-Portugal? I'm waiting to get on a plane. Uh, to, to leave this country. Uh, we land in Portugal at one o'clock and I'm on the golf course at four. Oh! It's stupid not to. <laughs> not jealous. Not jealous at all. <laughs> Give my love to your first San Miguel, your first ice cold San Miguel of the evening. Oh, yes, baby. That'll um, be hole number two. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what's the point? Uh, I agree. So, so gun to your head, right? And it is, it's, show, it's a showbiz gun, but it's a gun nevertheless. To your head. Okay. Um, uh, come November, this, the end of this year, Max Verstappen, world champion, or Lewis Hamilton, world champion? That's that's. I'm going to say, I think Lewis Hamilton will win it, mm-hmm. but he'll win it by a very slender margin. And I think we will get that eighth world title. But right, I've often been wrong before. Okay, Crofty, lovely <laughs> to talk to you. Well done on the nomination. That's excellent news. Thank One more you. cheer for our pals at Sky Sports. Sky F1. They've been nominated for a BAFTA for their amazing coverage of the Bahrain Grand Prix. That's Sky Sports F1 and Sky Sports Formula 1, the production team, nominated for a BAFTA this year. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. 